good day, good afternoon, good night. How you doing? This is MCM and you're listening to You're Probably Right. Today we are going to have a serious conversation. Well, maybe not a serious conversation, but there's going to be a serious talk happening here. Now, of course, I'm only doing the talking, but just stay tuned. Hey, what's up, y'all? You're listening to You're Probably Right. I am MCM, and this is my podcast. Remember, anything that's said here is for entertainment purposes only, and this podcast is totally separate from anything that I do to make money. (laughs) My real job, um, just in case anybody happens to be listening, that works at said job or the place that I make money until of course this place makes money (laughs) but um yeah for real so that's where we're at and I just wanted to say that you're welcome at my house anytime I am um I do have a camera on me right now it's not really for the purpose that people might think it is but it's just I'm gonna allow TikTok to decide which um which parts of the podcast to take little snapshots and i mean i can't say that it's working but i had no clue that they actually take little snippets of your live like little one minute and 10 seconds or 16 seconds or 30 seconds of whatever i guess wherever you were supposedly popping or whatever the case is and they leave it for you to be able to um, play at a later date. So what I've decided to is, is to try and do this podcast with the camera in my face, which is definitely weird to me. And considering that I've done, it's about I think this is about I think the 80th podcast, and most of my podcasts are podcast episodes um, most of them are from 40 to 40 minutes to an hour but at the same time just trying to have a podcast with the camera in my face is, is really uncomfortable even though I've sung countless songs in front of the camera and sung in front of um, audience I guess it's just a different thing you know it's kind of funny I'm not comparing myself to any of the big stars but I realized there's so many of them that were like introverts and so many of them that were uncomfortable around people but yet they sang in front of so many what's up buddy um so anyway i'm just gonna go through a few things and whatever happens as far as the camera's concerned happens whatever you know (laughs) what am i talking about i'm talking about all kinds of stuff but you just gotta kind of listen and see what i'm talking about (laughs) i'm gonna go through a list actually I'm actually going back over some stuff that I didn't get to do last time. And basically, first, I'm going to go over these 37 great questions to ask older people. And I'm considering myself old or older (laughs) or whatever. But of course, unlike last time, I'm not going to answer every single question. I'm just going to kind of pick and choose because I wanted to get to the more important questions, which were 60 common questions narcissistic abuse survivors ask and we'll see 
<laughs> we'll see how many of those things that I can even ask. I mean, answer. So basically, that's what we're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. First, I'm going to put this the reason why I have two headsets on, by the way, like I have, I guess, the AirPod, not even AirPod, whatever they, the buds or whatever in my ear is because I like to listen to music, which if you listen to the final part of any of my podcasts or the final edit, I guess, there's always a little music in the background, which is kind of cool. And I think I just have that voice for music behind it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but that's just how I do. <laughs> and it's been pretty successful so far. So that's what I'm going to do. Anyhow, thanks for hanging out, y'all. And you're feel free to come and go as you please. I know the camera's in my face, but it's... I, I can't even explain to you. It is what it is. All right, so I'm going to get to the question. Let's see which question I left off on last time let's see and remember i don't profess to be a doctor i don't profess to be any type of anything i did study like most people went to college and whatever it is but i'm a professional but i'm not gonna say i'm a doctor i'm not gonna say i'm a therapist i'm not gonna say i'm anything i'm just a dude with a podcast and that's what's happening <laughs> what's this can you shout me out Puppet channel. Uh, I'll shout out the puppet channel on TikTok. I don't think anybody really cares though, Doc. I mean, I can shout myself. I don't think anybody cares either. But I mean, well, actually, I guess, I guess the people in the podcast world. But um, um, one thing I did want to say because there are a few people, just a couple people looking in from TikTok. I'm gonna tell you guys. I started using TikTok about two months ago and the only reason why I decided to use TikTok was to see if I could drag people from TikTok over to my podcast and then what ended up happening is I ended up using TikTok more than I thought was necessary and all it was was just these constant um I don't want to say dopamine hits but it was just video after video after video was people falling down people doing really cool things really really cool dances um different um i guess solving different problems that people have with machines cars little tricks of the trade um all kinds of different life hacks comedy and you know what i found myself and i'm sure it's probably different for most of you guys and as, as i said this doesn't really matter like i'm just saying stuff and the microphone that you're hearing is way different than what people are actually listening to it through this mic but what i'm saying is I found myself addicted to looking at the videos. I just come just if somebody if I if it if it ended up on somebody's live and it was inappropriate inappropriate for me to be watching it or whatever it was, I would flip it off to the next one and the next one and the next one then it'd be another cool videos and it just like it just it hooks you. And um it was sick. It was like it started taking like I was doing a job where um, I'm home, well, most of the time I'm home, and I have all kinds of different responsibilities, and my time is my own, and I have to be able to divvy up my time to get things done, and this thing was getting in the way. If I woke up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I found myself, okay, I can't sleep. Ah, let's see what TikTok's saying, and you just sit there on there just flipping through. And it's like, it becomes like a sickness. And I know most people probably don't think so. And it's funny that the TikTokers kind of flipped off what I said just now, which is kind of funny. But um, 
you in the, the podcast world, I wonder if you've experienced the same thing where you have a certain thing that you do on your cell phone and you just end up just doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's like something really cool. And maybe it's so cool that you want to pass it on to something else. Or I mean, someone else that you know, and you do that. And then there's the next thing and the next thing. And it's just, it just gets so addicting. So it sounds like you, you look into um, serotonin and you look into um, dopamine and you look into like the psychology of how the brain works and you maybe you if you're a christian like me you you listen to a few sermons on people and their psychology and their spirit and you realize that you have no business sitting there on say said tiktok and not to say that everybody is doing something bad and i'm sure that there are certain people who are um on tiktok um doing good things but it's the people who are affected by it that is the worry. And hopefully at some level, somebody will hear what I'm saying and, and take it in. You know, it's really not healthy to tell you the truth. So I guess my whole purpose for ever opening TikTok is still justified. I would like to pull people who are addicted to the short form of content and these hits of cool, funny, entertaining, spirit-filled even um, content and move to the more long-term content which would speak to their um, serotonin, their, their, their happiness, you know, that pursuit of happiness that people have, not that pleasure. Because if you go through life as I have, many and then many points in my life just seeking for for gratification or for um enjoyment <laughs> you know periodically you're gonna find yourself to be a much more miserable person and you can see it and i'm sure most of you are probably smarter than i am but you know you kind of wonder okay why did Janis Joplin, Elvis, Prince, Michael Jackson, um, Whitney Houston? Why are most of these people who are rich beyond belief killing themselves? Now, some would say, okay, well, it's because somebody took them out. Okay, it was a mafia hit. It was, um, they were better off dead than alive or worth more dead than alive. Their voices were gone. So therefore it was better just to keep the snippet of their life or their career or them doing whatever it is they were doing at the highest level rather than seeing them decline. If you understand what I'm saying, like that's the belief that so many people have. They have them as they were so amazing here their work is undeniable, untouchable, but if they stay alive and they keep producing more stuff, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. And yeah, you could look at like a Michael Jackson's thriller or off the wall, whatever it is, and then try to compare it to the music later, like history or his story or whatever the thing was called, or, um, I can't, I can't remember what the other 
stuff was called and you could realize there was the decline there might have been a couple songs on there that people cared about but there wasn't like a whole album but um the point i'm making is you have these people who are very 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 popular and and yet they're killing themselves and let's just say Okay, I, I named about five or six people. Okay, so say there's 10 that people could literally go through and say this person killed themselves and they used drugs or this person did this to themselves and they died, whatever it is. But think about it. And this is the difference between, and I'm not a psychologist by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not professing to be, as I say, I'm not professing to be any type of professor. But I'm just telling you, with your mind, think about it. You have these people who can buy anything they want. They can find themselves in the company of pretty much anyone desirable that they want. Even if they're rich and ugly. Even if they're fat, rich, and ugly. Even if they're old, fat, rich, and ugly. Even if they're whatever, but they're rich. They can pretty much find themselves in front of anyone doing anything that they pretty much want to. And yet, they're killing themselves. So, what do I mean by that? Well, like, they can go to any restaurant they want. Like, let's just say you're a foodie, right? They can go to any restaurant, anytime that they want. And they can, matter of fact, they don't even have to go. They can send out for it and it can come right to them. So the food is taken care of. If it's partners, maybe the maybe it's an old bean and he's 75. He can literally be in the company of any pretty young thing that he wants to. Or she can do the same thing and have any young whatever, whatever with whatever you want. As far as pleasure is concerned, they can have that. Well, why are they killing themselves? Because it's not with the serotonin that they're they're getting their kicks they're they're going for that dopamine and that's why these people are also using drugs because they're seeking pleasure they're not seeking happiness you know they thought that their fame their money was going to give them happiness and it didn't and so what do they do they seek the spikes that dopamine gives you so you'll get that through drugs sex food or whatever your thing is but that thing doesn't make you happy so you know and this wasn't i haven't even planned to really talk about this kind of stuff on my podcast to tell you the truth today i mean i'm sure there's a, a place for it but um it was just some stuff that i was looking into lately and you know it didn't really, I wouldn't say really like bewilder me <laughs> in any way, but I guess I, I have thought about it. I'm like, you know, why did Michael Jackson die of an overdose? Was it, was it just because some dude was giving him too much drugs? Just? Or why did Prince have a hard time sleeping or whatever it is, so therefore he had drugs and he collapsed in an elevator? Or why did Whitney Houston hit cocaine or whatever it is and, and why did she drown? Or why did her daughter do the same thing years later it just 
just out of grief, but yet the drugs were so prevalent in their lives, or Janis Joplin, or Elvis Presley, or um, Jimi Hendrix, like all these people, and there's so many more. There's people who just run businesses and they end up in the same situation. And it's because they were seeking, they wanted to be happy. And they didn't have the happiness. They realized that having mountains of money, <laughs> having a, a, a pet chimpanzee, or having 50 muscle supercars, or beautiful this, or beautiful that, or children, or all these different things, it didn't end up doing it for them. So then they had to reach out to do something else. And the problem is when you reach out to do something else to give you that pleasure, you get it for hours, minutes, seconds at a time, and then you fall, and then you have to look for it again. But the problem is when you get it each time, it takes more, and it takes something else, and your behaviors become more deviant and more deviant and more deviant and you get less satisfaction and less satisfaction and less satisfaction every time. That's why somebody does one line of cocaine and they're cool and it's like, wow, it was like the best thing ever. And then months later or years later, they're in front of a whole bowl and they're the most miserable, evil, demonic, twisted person you would ever meet. And they're getting, they're giving it to everybody else they know. You know, because there's no pleasure in those things. That's the, that's the funny thing. It's like, it's, you know, probably only us, I was going to say broke ass, but I was, <laughs> it's, it's, it's our, us lower level living people, creatures who really think that there's something in to having more money than you could ever spend or having more fame then you would know what to do with it until you find yourself so famous that you can't even go into a mall. I mean, no superstar could come and live right beside me. They, there be people camped out in front of their house. They have to leave in, live in a gated community, which is basically a prison. I mean, when you're in prison, where you? you're living in a gated community, it's just that you're gated with a bunch of other crooks. Whereas when you're rich, you're living in a gated community around other people who have money or whatever it is. And if there's too much access to them, somebody will take what they got or take their lives. So it's like us as regular people are desiring to do these things. I honestly don't think I want 20,000 people knowing who I am and where I live. I mean, the smart people stay behind the scenes, you know, they collect the money, they do what they want, but they don't bring it home with them, if you understand what I'm saying. Anyhow, that's my two cents on that, and let me move forward, I got this guy talking in my ear here. I really gotta pay for Spotify one of these days. I mean, I used to have it for like three years, but it was free with my phone, and now it's like, I don't pay for it. Now I got these dudes talking in my ear. <laughs> All right, so let's see if I can find which question that I was on. I know that stuff was probably more interesting, but I don't know all the ends of the situations with those people's lives. 
and I'm, you know, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but I'll try to listen to everything. Okay, so let me see. How did... Okay, so now this stuff's probably going to be pretty mundane compared to what I was talking about. So I'm just going to go through the questions again. So we're talking about... First, we're gonna, I'm going to try to get to these 60 questions that narcissistic abuse survivors would ask. But first, I'm going to get through these uh, 37 great questions to ask older people or grandparents. Now, I'm old enough to be a grandparent, but I'm not. Um, and I consider myself somewhat older. I mean, I'm not ancient, but I'm older. But let's see. Let's see where I stopped last time. Who was your... Okay, I did the who was my favorite teacher last time. I'm going to pick and choose. Last time, I just answered every single question. But I still like not to read them earlier and try to get together an answer. I'd rather just do it kind of free. So whatever they ask, I'm going to try. Unless it just doesn't apply. Let's see. I did what was the worst trick you ever played? I did that one. Did you ever face disadvantage? Well, everybody faces disadvantage. So I'm going to, I think I did that one anyway. I did, yeah, I did that. Did the crush. Um, did you ever play instrument? I did that. Mm, did that too. Difference between knowledge and wisdom. I did that too. <laughs> I think I did this one. But anyway, I'm going to start with anyways. So it says, how many hours a week did you work? And did you have a pension? And I think I did this. But anyway, we'll start off where I, I left off last time. So I guess you can compare it if you really do listen to my podcast, what I said last time. Um, yeah, I did that. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to say it because I said I was going to do it. Um, so I work a regular full-time job and a regular full-time job in the area that I work is 30 to 35 hours a week. And do I have a pension? Supposedly I have, it said, did you have a pension? Well, I'm not a pensioner yet. So I supposedly do have a pension, but to say whether or not that pension is going to be there when I retire, I don't know. I think of my mom who was supposed to retire at 65, but ended up working till she was 70, 71. And then what followed that was pretty much one year of helping other people, which like in the same line that like technically she was still doing the same job, but she did it privately, privately for a friend. And then what happened was she got sick and she was almost bedridden she needed two new knees done which she got done because she was basically um she basically couldn't do anything her knees were gone and then she had the operation and this is probably after another six or seven months she had the operation and she was never the same so as i speak right now she's still here with us but she's having different issues i believe she had a stroke and because um, she's living with something called aphasia. But, you know, it's funny how hospitals work in Canada. Some people will say that our health system is better 
than the American health system or other places in the world because we have free health system, uh, free health system. It's not Obamacare. It's just straight up. Everybody has it. Universal health care. But the problem with that is <clears throat> doctors are paid no more or, or no less whether they treat you right, whether they treat you wrong, whether they're rude to you, whether they don't, you know what I mean? Like you all, you just get, <laughs> you get what you get and you don't be upset. And um, needless to say, I believe that through her getting the knees done, like I, 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 I believe that there was some aphasia already there because there was a hard time I noticed when it was time to sign to do her um, her procedure, it was the writing of her name was a problem. So there was something already happening there. But then after the procedure, yeah, the knees were kind of better. But then there was a bunch of other stuff that presented itself right after. Like, I mean, before she could get out of the hospital. And usually people have strokes that get them to their that place in the first place and then you know from like not being able to write your name to now you can't even speak properly till now everything that comes out of your mouth is total gibberish and it's like you're in your body and you're fighting to communicate and to understand but more to communicate and nobody can understand you it's like the way I see it with aphasia, which I've never heard of before she had it. Like, I was like, what is this thing? It's like, it's like living in a box around a bunch of people and you're in a glass box. So you can see them. They can see you. If they say something to you, you might not be able to hear because not to mention, are you in a glass box, but it's airtight or it's soundproof. And not to mention you're there in the box trying to communicate to them and they can't hear you either, except they can literally hear you, I guess, in the in the natural sense, except they can't understand what you're saying. And there's no pressing the air up to the, the glass to, <laughs> to hear you better or reading your lips. You got to, I guess you can, but the, the lips that you're actually, all you're reading is body motions and eye movement and earnestness of your gestures to try to get your point across. But can you actually say proper words? No. Now, the weird thing about aphasia is, is that my mom can still sing. <laughs> Apparently it, it's a different part of your brain. So you can sing some songs, you can even pray but just regular communication, not even pray properly. She, she a little bit here and there, but she can sing, which is so strange. You know what I mean? So, um, thanks for love there. Um, yeah, it's just so, so strange. I've never heard of it before, but I believe she had, um, a stroke, I had a couple strokes and, um, you know, it's just twisted. You know, like that's how our healthcare goes. Like some people think that's amazing that knowing that if something happens to you, they cart you off into the hospital, that 
they're not going to say, I'm sorry, we can't do this or that to you because you don't have insurance. Everybody has insurance in Canada. You have OHIP or at least Ontario, I guess I'm, I'm assuming it goes throughout the whole of Canada, but you have OHIP it's called. And so you can go and get whatever the general stuff taken care of. Now you're not gonna be able to like get a full front grill or something like that, but, um, stuff that you need they're gonna do it for free the problem is the level that they do it for different people definitely exists when my dad had parkinson's you know what i mean like I, <laughs> I used to think i say like you know the canadian actor michael j fox he had um parkinson's at like 37 or 40 or whatever it was and then they gave him drugs and he kind of got over it. He wasn't 100% right still, but he, I mean, I think he's still around with us and he, and he got it before my dad did. Now, my dad was older, so of course you can't expect every cognitive function in life to be extended, but it was just kind of strange. I know we're getting sometimes different levels of drugs. Remember when um, Magic Johnson got supposedly had AIDS? And now you don't hear anything. As far as we know, he got cured if he really had AIDS in the first place. And that's a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother story. Yeah. Anyhow, let me get off that. Let me move on to the next thing. Next question. I already did the five most important things in life. All right, let's see. I did what was my first apartment like. <laughs> I think I talked about my first car, but I'm going to talk about it again. Cause I can't remember if I really, really got into it. My first car, as I said, it was a brown Acadian, a 1979. Nothing worked on it properly. I never really registered it with the government. The, um, <laughs> I just drove it for maybe a month here and there. Um, I thought it was so cool just to have a car and I'd just go in the driveway and sit in it, you know, and you know, I cleaned it and bought all these products to make it smell nice. And I got the, the, <laughs> the, the Christmas tree looking air freshener and I put it underneath the mirror. I mean, the rearview mirror and did all that stuff. And then I took it out a couple of times and I had nothing but bad experiences with that car. Um, for most of my first cars, but this one, one time I decided to go to a mall in, um, the Toronto area in Scarborough, it's called Scarborough Town Center. And I went there with my friend, it was sunny and shiny and everything was cool. We went and did this, that, and the other at the mall. We decided it was time to leave. We left, took the back roads because we didn't want to be stopped by a cop because I didn't really have real tags or a license plate on there properly that was legally attached to the vehicle. But halfway home, it started raining. And with that came the fact that my windshield wipers didn't work. So you can picture it. You got a couple of 21 year olds driving down the street in this crusty old brown Pontiac Acadian and the windshield wipers don't work. And there's a huge like torrential downpour happening. And my friend literally had to open his window, reach across the the um, windshield and he had to pull the wipers back and forth just so I didn't crash 
And you might say, okay, why didn't you guys just stop and wait it out? Well, we also wanted to get off the road because my tags aren't right or my license plate's not right or official. So that was like crazy and scary at the damn same time. Needless to say, I don't think I ever drove that car off of my street ever again. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first car. Let's see. Let's see. I'm just going to read it off. I may not answer. Let's see. How many jobs did you did your dad have before he found his career? <laughs> How many jobs did my dad have? Well, check it out. My dad was really old. I mean, I was born. My dad was 49 years old. He was born in the 20s, 1920s. Um, so his jobs working on his family's farm I guess you want to call it or whatever it is in Jamaica um, he worked at a mechanic shop for a while um, he worked in a record pressing factory I guess in England he did the agricultural thing where they used to grab a bunch of um, people from the islands like Jamaica and you'd go to like places like um, Florida and you'd pick oranges and he did that and a whole bunch of other things during the Second World War. <laughs> Imagine, right? My dad was in around the Second World War. That's how old he is. And, um, or was. And he, the stories he, he told me, you know, but that was one of his jobs. And at the end of the day, he ended up working for how many years? He worked from 1966 to 1988 when he retired and he was working for Via Rail or CN Rail, the same, um, I'm sure you probably heard of the CN Tower or seen the CN Tower. So the same company that supposedly owns that or is con controlled by whatever it is, the uh, Canadian National, he worked for that company in the maintenance department and he worked there until I think he worked at some sitting down desk job or whatever it is when he was retiring maybe for the last year or a year and a half before he retired, they wanted to give him a break. So he um, did that, which was, I guess, so how many jobs? Many jobs. He also was a salesman and he was uh, a worker in a church where he did like men's fellowship and he sang in the choir and all that stuff, all that good stuff and raised the family, which is a career, <laughs> a different career, I guess. It is a career, but it's life. Where... Were you ever fired from a job? Yeah, I explained that. <laughs> I explained that last time. I got fired one time in my life. It was the stupidest thing. Uh, so you can listen to my last <laughs> episode if you want to know how I got fired. Which I might have talked to before. I've, I've talked about before as well. How did you buy your first home? Well, yeah, I, I talked about that as well. Let's move on. Can't because there's nobody really asking, so I would move on to that one. How did the war affect the family? Well, I don't know which war the person's actually talking about, but as far as my family is concerned, there was various ones. There was even the political unrest in Jamaica, which probably landed my parents in North America eventually 
because um, they were married one year before um, all the companies pulled out of Jamaica because of Jamaica's um, involvement with Cuba. And basically, ever since that happened, when the United States says, all right, that's it, we're taking all our companies and we're going home, we're taking our ball and leaving. Um, ever since then, it's been like a huge exodus out of Jamaica. And it's never been the same since. You know, I was watching a video today. I just happened to click on one video while I was trying to put up my stuff. And it was of P. Diddy listening to um, Bob Marley. And it looked like, I can't say he was really there, but he was looking all scruffy, like he was a broke black dude in Jamaica and he was just chilling on the beach somewhere no haircut no shave and he was just there and he was vibing to this music and this the music was like um talking about you know the struggle uh, the fight and this that and the other and I'm like what fight and what struggle are you on bro I think you're worth a billion dollars by now and you taking five percent of what you own and developing something in that small little country, Jamaica, with only 3 million people. Just think about the effect that Jamaicans have had on this world in different ways. Or the superstars or the celebrities that have come out of Jamaica that you probably haven't even thought about. But it's a small amount of people. That's why they can't do good in soccer, by the way. <laughs> 3 million. You're going against other countries. Like, for instance, I think Iran... Iran has been there, but I don't know if they're in this year, whatever the case is, considering all the stuff is happening there. But there's 83 million people there. <sighs> anyhow, but just all the different countries are just. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I was like the amount of money or the amount of things that you could do, you know, and I know I, I kind of go off topic most of the time, but that's the whole point of this thing yeah. <laughs> to go off topic, to get on topic, if you understand. Um, there's so much that people could give back to these communities, these countries, with like these large people, like big people in society, supposedly, in communities, and they don't give back. And people wonder why there's no change in these small countries like a Jamaica, because everybody pulls from it, you know, for instance, and let me not go on and on and on about the plight <laughs> of Jamaica, but just let me go on for one second. So you have this country where most people want to visit at some point in their lives. There's only around almost 3 million people in that country. You've had star, you've had people like, okay, you know, Usain Bolt, Bob Marley, you've had Will I Am, um, and other people, and just the culture itself, reggae music that's kind of slipped over to the Afro, Afro beats and all this stuff that comes out of there. Like there's so much culture that's come out of that country. There's so many people who have visited that country. And if you go to that country, the country's like beat down, except for the places that are gated, as I was talking about earlier. The gated communities are beautiful in Jamaica. Some of the resorts like the Rio Reggae and the Palladium, the Grand Palladium, amazing. If you go, 
step off the resort and see what's up though see the the amount of buildings that um are half finished or just broken down the whole country is smashed every star of stars have been to jamaica but yet the country looks like trash the only jobs to be had are in the tourism business that's working at a hotel or some type of tourism and it seems like nobody gives into the country unless it's they take their little piece so yeah there's other cultures going there there's white people there's chinese people there's there's um sri lankan people there's other indian people there's a whole bunch of different people from all over the world there but what they do is they grab their little piece and if they have a store they're selling it back to the jamaicans which is really sad to see at astronomical prices like they can barely afford stuff they're being treated bad in their own cities by foreigners um then you have the foreigners who come and they don't actually want to intermingle or deal with the, the the locals they just want to live and experience the sun the sand they may have a couple people working in the houses or whatever it is and cleaning the outside of them and whatever it is but that's the the biggest amount of interaction that many of people who go to those countries so when i saw the video of diddy and you could look it up you can see diddy vibe into bob marley and he's looking like a scrub he's looking like a dude who hasn't had a shave nor can afford a shave and he's just vibing maybe he's high or whatever it is and i just think you know you think of of people just it, it hurts my heart in in some respect but then i don't really expect much different from people <laughs> in this planet but it's just like what are you vibing to man you're worth millions as i said five percent of his total whatever could do something there and what am i saying am i saying uh, you know did he go off of the resort and go start handing out hundred dollar bills to the locals i'm not saying that i'm saying how about you go and you build a school there go build a university there you know you you've been richer a lot longer than someone like kanye west and he's opened his school um lebron james um opened his school i'm saying all these people go to jamaica and all they do is use the culture or if they don't go there they go to jamaica in other words they use the culture like say a drake who's from toronto like i am and he for years you know it's let's just tap into the reggae and maybe most people don't realize this but when do people from the united states generally even though england do it but there's so many jamaicans in england but they tap in to the jamaican or the west indian culture right at about may to june why because they hope that they're going to have that song that's going to be hot during when caravana check it out if you don't believe me nobody there's there are certain times people don't release anything so after like november 1st nobody releases any new music all the way to like the middle of january and then it's like this cycle every year but i'm just you know just thinking about jamaica it's like the culture has been so overrun and so used in so many different ways you know probably the coolest accent in um in the west indies i mean sometimes like i was born in canada but if i wanted to you know be cool 
<laughs> in urban culture in Jamaica. It was, I mean, in Toronto, it wasn't to try to sound like I was from New York. It was act like a bad boy from Jamaica. I'm like, why are man? Come, come here, boy. You know, like, <laughs> or the, the, the curse words that were so coveted to understand and know how to say. But, um, yeah, so just thinking about the culture, it really bugs me sometimes, you know. The rich people don't give back in my, to my culture, and even the people who are from my culture don't seem to give back either. But I don't know. What do I know? I probably don't know. What do I know, right? <laughs> but as I say, and as the podcast is called, you're probably right. I mean, I could be wrong, right? Okay, let's see. What kind of question is this? <laughs> did anyone ever have polio I, this is apparently you're asking an old person in your family well I don't know a single soul who had polio These are, you're actually trying to ask somebody really really ancient um, did, you, did our family or did your family ever survive a devastating disaster or a financial blow not really devastating I mean my parents always worked as long as i was alive so if they if the family experienced like some devastating roughness it wasn't while i was around and i mean my dad was alive during the great depression <laughs> even that's weird but he would have been all of he would have been seven during the great depression my dad not my granddad my dad imagine that um but he didn't really talk about it he talked about the most things that my dad ever talked about, especially when he was living in the United States, and he lived in Boston and he lived in Florida, I think only those two places. And the only thing that he used to talk about was seeing people being beaten up by the police. And he used to tell me about the stuff that they used to hit people with broad hits. So, you know, you've heard about the telephone, the telephone book, and like somebody put a telephone book over you and then punch you and then the hits that you would take would be so broad that little parts of you wouldn't show it. It would just, apparently you'd feel the thud. It would really, really hurt, but nobody could find the marks. And there was other stuff that they used to use, apparently used to tell me, but I didn't really understand the significance of it when he was telling me because my experiences growing up in Toronto were just so different than his were. I kind of wish that I sat down and I listened properly. And from time to time, some things come back to my memory of stuff that he said through stuff that I may be going through. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I remember when he said that, or I remember when he said that, or this. Hmm. I can't remember how they really met, so I'm not going to talk about how my grandparents met and all that stuff, so I'll just move on with that from that let me turn this down again here we go um what was the worst thing you got in trouble for <laughs> well i can't really say what the worst thing that i got in trouble for but i can say i could tell you a funny thing that i got in trouble for and well Okay, I'll say a couple. One time I did get, did get, um, I got grounded into my room, in, in my room for, I think, a half a day. And it was like the worst thing ever. I, I, I don't think, 
because it wasn't like grounding wasn't a thing in my family um i got grounded for an afternoon so i basically what it was again back to the shows again i used to watch bugs bunny cartoons and what i did was i remember this part where bugs was i guess messing around with porky pig or whatever and there was this part where he was pretending he was Dimaggio, Joe Dimaggio, the baseball player. And there's a part where he's like going, I can't remember which one of them are going. Anyway, he goes like, slide Dimaggio, slide in. And anyway, I think it was Porky or it was Elmer Fudd, but whatever. He's like, wait, I'm not Dimaggio. But anyway, he slid all the same. So I home just being stupid and I'm like, slide Dimaggio, slide. And I slid into this nice, two foot high vase or vase how depending on how you want to say it and i smashed it into the wall and i got in trouble and i got sent to my room for the afternoon and i'm telling you that afternoon was like the longest day of my life <laughs> i can't even imagine people who are like grounded for like weeks in their room like what the deal that probably got them scared straight for sure i don't know how many people can really attest to being grounded for weeks and days at a time but i mean that probably helped them to settle at some level i would assume either that or make them crazy and worse <laughs> but um yeah so but what was the other one i had another i had a good one oh foolishness of children here i got another one one time i got in trouble for putting a bobby pin okay here, i'll set it up a little bit i'm not that great at telling stories as a matter of fact but or maybe i am who knows but um i was minding my own business or at church and you know i'm about 9 10 11 maybe and i'm sitting beside my dad now it's us in this whole row like a row of say eight chairs nine chairs and usually i don't sit with my dad but for whatever reason maybe my i think my mom wasn't at church she probably had to go to work that week i think she got every second week off or something like that and i'm out of my own business i'm bored out of my skull listening to this preacher preach and lo and behold i find a bobby pin now, many women, <laughs> I guess I can't say for my culture, but anyway, nevertheless, I found a bobby pin sitting on the floor beside my chair, carpeted, carpeted floor, whatever it is, picked it up. I started messing with the bobby pin. I'm like pulling off the plastic end, the little nub, and I'm messing with this thing. I'm straightening it out. I'm bending it back in. And then there happened to be a light socket beside me on the wall. My father paying attention to the preaching the teaching and um you know doing what a good christian a good uh churchgoer does and pays attention and you know and me i'm bored so i put the the bobby pin back together as close as it needed to be to be able to put it into a light socket and this is what i did so i put it into the light socket and it locked off the lights while the preacher was preaching. <laughs> and everybody wondered what the heck happened. The the light socket did it did um make a pop. 
So everybody knew it was me. Like something happened where I was. They were like, what was that? And then they realized I actually did it. Then they took me around the back of the church. I'm, I, they put the lights back on. I can't remember. I know I was in trouble. And I don't think I even got licks for it. But I... I remember I got in trouble, but that was probably like the the worst thing that I ever did where I like literally embarrassed my dad. But the good thing was they were just so shocked. Get it? Pardon the pun. They were so shocked that I didn't get electrocuted that I didn't really get in trouble. So, I mean, so I was in trouble. It was a crazy traumatic experience, at least for people. But I was like, cool. I was like, in my mind, I'm like, hmm, why didn't I get electrocuted? I thought if you played with the outlets, that would happen. And I'm listen to me. I'm not telling you of any age to go ahead and put a bobby pin in a light socket or in a, or any type of socket, electrical current thing. I'm just saying that I happened to put it into the light socket and it didn't happen to me. But I can also tell you, because I know there are crazy people out there who will try many things that you suggest or many things that you've tried or go ahead and tell somebody that, oh, guess what? If you put the bobby pin in the light socket, you won't get electrocuted. So I'm not telling you to do that. And please don't tell anybody to do that. Because I do know of another case where when I was working at a school, a student stuck a pin in the light socket and he did get a shock and it knocked him to the floor. So for whatever reason, I didn't, he was on a hard service where I was on a carpet. I don't know what, maybe there was some kind of something, maybe the chair conducted, maybe I was on the chair and I wasn't, my feet weren't on the ground. That's the whole point I'm trying to explain as I tell this story, because I, the worst thing that could possibly happen is somebody just do what I did. I don't know if my feet were touching the ground when it happened. Like maybe the mercy of God had my feet not touch the ground. I'm actually going to look into this, <laughs> but I'm um, like, I want to know what was, and I, and I did put it in both sides. So anyhow, the point is don't do it because I can't even remember as a kid, what the exact circumstances were around me not being electrocuted. I don't know what little thing I did by accident that had me not get electrocuted. You understand? So I'm literally telling you, do not do it. Do not tell anybody else to do it. Don't tell anybody that it's okay to do it or it's safe to do it. It doesn't kill you because it might. Okay, cool. Moving, moving right along. Sometimes that's the funny thing. It's like you can't tell everything. That's one thing I did want to talk about on this podcast. This is like, yeah, you, you, you can't. <laughs> like there's so many things that you could say. And I, I think that's what people talk about when it comes to like influencers, supposedly. It's like you have this responsibility. You can't just be out here saying everything and go and flying off at the mouth all willy nilly like, say, Andrew Tate, because the problem is some of the things that you say will come back to bite you in the backside once you get popular enough or successful enough. People enough. People seem to dig, which is really twisted. I don't know. I guess it's just the human way, the sinful way that people live. They once you get on top that crabs in a bucket that tall poppy syndrome comes into effect once somebody sticks out too much 
you know, and I hope it didn't sound that way when I was talking about, say, P. Diddy or Drake as far as um, the, you know, the situation in Jamaica. But, um, you know, once you get up too high, for some reason, people want to knock you down. And maybe they don't, maybe it's not even deliberate. It's just something that natural that happens. It's just you stick out, you, you know, the nail that sticks out gets the hammer, you know. But, um, yeah, I wanted to say that. I'm not even going to get to these 60 questions again. Imagine. <laughs> I'm going to leave this thing open just so I don't lose them. But um, maybe I should, you know what I'm going to do so I don't lose it? I'm going to copy that right here. Hold on a second. It's going on pretty good. I think I'm getting pretty good at this thing where I can just talk and talk and talk. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Cool. But who knows? <clears throat> I think the longest I've gone is like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. What is this? Ali sent it. I don't know what that is. I ain't even paid attention to messing with it. Okay. I'm going to, let's see. Man. There's 37 of these. I'm on 26. Maybe there's some that I won't have to answer. Let's see. <laughs> what tricks did you use? Did you used to play on your siblings? I didn't really play much tricks on my siblings because I was the youngest kid. So if anything, all the tricks were played on me. But the one trick, I guess you can call it a trick. Um, I... I used to, which my sister used to talk about, which was kind of a funny thing. I, like, I used to, like, if you if say we're running inside from school and we're coming home, I used to, um, if she slammed the door, I'd pretend that she slammed the door on my finger. I guess we used to, like, I, th I think it was like a regular occurrence where we'd walk home, she'd have to walk me home, and then she'd get about... 50 feet, 50, maybe 500, no, about 500 meters or something like that from home. And then she'd start sprinting. So she knew that she had to walk me home. But she also knew that when we were maybe six houses down from our house, she could freely run to the house. And all I could do was try to catch up and chase her without bawling my eyes out because she left me again. And so I used to run and I guess I could run fast enough to be just behind her enough for her to slam the door in my face. And um, well, what I used to ball and go on like she slammed the door on my hand or whatever it is. Well, guess what? One day she actually really did slam the door on my hand, like the screen door. Those of you who watched uh, Seinfeld but know what a screen door. I mean, many of you probably know what a screen door it is anyway. Um, and she slammed it on my on my hand, and I like was like ah, bawling and screaming out. But she thought it was I was doing it fake, and I think she pushed it harder. It, <laughs> it was a story that we grew up with. It was kind of funny back in the day. But I do kind of remember that like electricity ping going up from my fingers up my arm into like my my bicep of the amount of pain that I was feeling, but um, it's part of growing up, right? So yeah, the tricks, I wasn't really playing the tricks. They played the tricks on me.
but I used to do a lot of nonsense. One time, I can say my sister had a, a gold like locket. It was like it was like the coolest chain ever. It was like 14 karat gold, and it had like a rectangular watch on it, like a watch face, and it was digital. And like, remember, I'm a kid growing up in the 80s. Like, I'm a 70s kid, but I was growing up in the 80s, and um. It was the coolest thing. So what did I do? Because something was obviously wrong with me back in those days. I tried to take it apart to see how it ticked. But unfortunately for my sister, I was never ever really able to put things back together after I pulled them apart, which could be technically the story of my life. <laughs> so yeah, that was, but all, that's all I have to say about that again. You know, it's kind of funny. Lately, I've noticed that when people ask me a question or I answer a question, I don't know how to end off. So I'll say, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's the most uneloquent, if, there, if you can say uneloquent <laughs> um, thing that you could possibly say to end something. It's kind of like, I won't compare it to what I'm thinking of. But that's pretty much the worst way to end anything good. <laughs> Just abruptly. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get better at that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Let's see. What was your first run-in with the law? First... First of all, I've never been arrested. I've never been to jail. But I would say most of my my run-ins with the law <laughs> and issues have always been speeding, not speeding, giving excuses to police. And that's all I'm going to say because I'll save something for next time or another time. Or maybe I'll have to go into it. But um, I can't honestly say that I have been let off many times, at least five or six for actually really speeding and then I've been legitimately probably keeping up with traffic if anything and also been given speeding tickets or I've been followed I've been carted when I was not even in my car or no I was in my car sitting in a parking lot eating food and they told me that there was a car that fits the description of my car and I guess a black guy too and I was forced to put my food on the top of the car, give him my license, and sit there and wait. So there's a few instances like that. So, But I mean, that's a black man's life in North America anyway, I guess. And I, obviously, it gets worse than that. Uh, let's see. What is this? How did you turn the mundane bits of life into an adventure? Mm, the mundane bits of life would have been back in the day when the only video games out were Pong, Pac-Man, and the video games were like Atari, ColecoVision, and slowly Sega Vision, which I was never going to be able to afford to buy anyway. But I did have an Atari, and I think I had a Coleco too. Um, I remember summer games, you could cheap, <laughs> that game you could 
definitely cheap the you could the pole vault was the funniest you could like go off the screen and come down sliding down the other side of the screen and like break like break like any record ever known to man that was funny <laughs> but um that was the only thing to do back in the day or as i said before or around that time when i was just getting those kinds of things or playing them at my friends it was ride a bike and you know grade seven we would ride to this golf course by Don Mills in York Mill, whichever that, whatever that um, golf course is down there. And we used to ride through this big water drain tunnel thing. And we would um, go through the, the bike trails where many kids have make, made all kinds of um, jumps for their bikes. And that was our thing back in those days. It was going riding. Let's go riding. Or, you know, we would be like uh, the days of like Napoleon Dynamite, like actually those days where you would grab a nice good plank of wood and, you know, the bricks and make that jump that that what <laughs> half a foot jump <laughs> off with your dirt bike. If you had one, if you didn't have a cheesy bike with a banana seat on it. Um, yeah. So those were the things. It was always going riding. And then when we got a little more stuffed, we were, you know, we played a lot of hockey, street road hockey in North, in North America, in, in Toronto. That was, that was the thing. Um, maybe it was a nighttime and it was too late to play hockey. And it was, we were old enough to be outside after the lights turned on. So maybe we would go to the park and burn army men or something like just nonsense. <laughs> But those were the things when we were kids. Hmm. What was the most ridiculous thing you've ever done? Man, I've done a lot of ridiculous things. <laughs> so many things I've done that I can't even pinpoint one that'll be worth speaking. Well, yeah, I just can't think of anything. But I can think of the time as I was bringing it up a little while ago where me and my friends did literally go on this small little bridge up to the high, the high school that I was, I think I was going to go to that year. It wasn't my idea, but we literally brought all the army men from these kids. And I won't say what culture they were, but they like to burn stuff for some reason. And we were on the bridge and we literally melted army men with like hairspray and, and lighters and like, torched them and melted them into the, the ground. It was so bad that it was like for maybe a year to more where you literally saw glued red and green plastic. You know those army men from um, what's it called? From Toy Story? <laughs> those kind of guys melted into the, the sidewalk. And we did that until one of the neighbors on that street chased us and like what are you kids doing and we took off and got the heck out of there but i guess that would be one of the more dumb things that i did oh but i've spoke about it on another one of my um episodes i think i think it was number seven i used to number them i stopped numbering numbering them on the actual titles but um it was on basically what happened was we used to cut um, these square ninja stars. So they actually weren't actual stars at all, but they were square pieces of sheet metal. And 
I'm not going to go into the story now, but basically I cut one and I whipped it across a classroom. Not really a crowded classroom, but there were students in the classroom. Nobody was where in the direction that I threw it. And the reason why I threw it, just because everybody else was doing it, of course, but not at that particular time, they weren't. But my teacher had just left the classroom. But little did I know is, as I was releasing it, he was on his way back into the classroom. And this thing whipped through the air and stuck into a table just as he walked past the table, a wooden table. And he didn't even see it. That was the, that, until the day I die, probably, or at least up to this point, that was the dumbest thing that I ever did. Because anyhow, that piece of sheet metal, that little star had hit that teacher, I guarantee you, I probably wouldn't be in jail to this day, unless, of course, it killed him. And this is high school, so it's a very... <laughs> but um, just the mercy of God, that, that thing did not hit that man. And, you know, the reason why I even bring it up, I mean, obviously, it's because the question was asked, what's the worst thing or the most ridiculous thing you've done? It was the stupidest thing I ever did. But I just realized how much... Life could be different for anyone who's done something stupid. <clears throat> and you might sometimes, you know, people think, you know, well, I'm not as dumb as that guy. I didn't shoot that gun or I didn't body slam that girl when I weighed 200 pounds as an 11 year old like that story. Or so many of the other dumb things that you've seen on maybe Fail Army or wherever it is. But I realize that. Me throwing that ninja star, I remember, at nobody. It was kind of like, you know, if you ever watch football, where, where the quarterback throws the football where he knows that the wide receiver is supposed to be. Because you always kind of wonder, how the heck did he... Okay, he threw it 60 yards, and meanwhile, the ball's in the air, and the, the, run, the wide receiver is still doing his route. And he's probably nowhere close to where he's supposed to be by the time the ball gets there. But the way that it's designed, which makes it so amazing, like poetry in motion, is that by the time the ball gets, you know, I guess six feet up or seven feet up in the air, the wide receiver is there. Well, this was the opposite. I whipped it where nobody was technically supposed to be by chance. I whipped it and it actually hit the table. If it didn't hit the table, it would have hit this teacher. So, yeah. So, sometimes I think about people who never got a second chance. And I guess that's why somebody like me is so against cancel culture. Because sometimes people just do stupid things. And sometimes, most times, us as other people need to give people a break. Instead of trying to ruin their lives. So, yeah, I would like to get through these questions. Let's see. What is something you used to do without thinking and now it embarrasses you? <laughs> well, let's see. I don't know. When I think about stuff that I used to do, I, I assume that thing for me would have been wetting the bed. I used to wet the bed for a long time as a kid and into my teens, which is not that normal. And before 
it used to embarrass. I mean, when it was happening, it was definitely embarrassing. And even after that, a little bit into my 20s, it was embarrassing. I wasn't doing it in my 20s, but I, it was that fresh. But now that I think of it, I realized, I mean, I figured out how to stop myself from doing it. But it's not embarrassing anymore. I just realized I had a small bladder. And I used to drink a lot of juice and a lot of water, so you know one plus one equals two <laughs> so it doesn't really embarrass me I don't really I guess I don't really get embarrassed by stupid things that I used to do because I realized I was just being stupid I was human and people do dumb things uh, the only thing that really embarrassed me was the time that I got fired because it was something stupid I did and it was not very um, what's it called ethical like just morals alone it was just a bad thing to do and it wasn't that I stole anything it was that I tried to get over on my, the company now I wasn't working at a small company I was working for a one of the biggest chain stores at the time and my job was half decent and again it was a return and they were going to give me more money than this the thing that I bought before was worth I did it with a no I returned it with no bills they didn't know what I paid but it definitely wasn't what I, I legitimately bought it at a lower price, I guess, legitimately. Because it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't my section. But then when I returned it, I got more than I was supposed to and I didn't say anything. So that's how I got fired. It wasn't like I was in there stealing boxes like Craig from Friday or anything like that. <laughs> oh, the phone's going off. I guess we're just going to have to deal with the phone ringing a little bit, people, because the phone is far from me. Hopefully somebody will pick it up eventually. All right, next question. What was the worst invention you ever heard of? You ever heard of? I don't know. <laughs> I guess for me, it would have been the slinky. It's funny, I got to an answer for everything. I guess that's good for a podcaster, right? Because as I said, I did not go through these questions. So my answer is the slinky. Why? Well, yes, you could take the slinky and it was good for a girl or a boy. It was a wonderful toy and all that. And you could put it at the edge of the stairs. And yes, it would fall over onto the next stair. And it would fall over onto the next stair. And it would go all the way down. And that was pretty much the most you could do with a slinky. Or you could pretend you were juggling it from one side to the other. After that, the, the, the slinky basically had no use. As far as what I can remember. And I had the metal slinky. Not the cheap plastic ones that they give kids these days. But, um... So I say the slinky. Why do I say the slinky? Well, guess what? When I was a little kid, I decided to take my beautiful tricycle and wrap my slinky all around the stupid tricycle until nobody could unloose uh, un the thing. Now, I don't know why nobody in my family got wire cutters and just cut the, the slinky off of the bike doesn't even make any sense to me all I know is my my bike had to be thrown in the garbage because the slinky was so wrapped around it but now that I think with my adult brain I'm like why didn't they just get wire cutters and cut the slink slinky off the tricycle or whatever it was I think it was the tricycle no clue like just the nonsense things that used to happen to me I won't even tell you what happened to my other bike <laughs> I should tell you I, I'll tell you the, the dumbest thing that ever happened to me as a kid that I never forgot was the fact that I had a big wheel 
and you remember the big wheel right it's a big wheel it's like probably made by little tykes or something like that anyhow it was like a bike just for those of you who don't know it had two wheels that set behind you or beside just just off to the side and then it had a literal big wheel attached to two pedals and you would ride it right you see you remember that if you don't know it you can google it and you'll see what is a big wheel and anyhow this kid down the street who was older than me and lord knows why he wanted it he probably because he was um he was probably trying to make a go-kart or some nonsense i sold as a kid i literally sold my bike now my brother obviously wasn't around he probably ran away at that time like he took off from home at 15 or whatever it was i literally sold actually i think he was around i literally sold my bike for one penny <laughs> now okay so i'm like how old are you when you ride a slinky i mean to ride a slinky you ride a big wheel four or five right maybe six if you're smaller and i literally sold this bike for a penny or two cents or something it was either two cents or one penny i got my money <laughs> this guy got my 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 big wheel and nobody in my family <laughs> went back and threw this penny at them and took back the big wheel so that was the worst thing <laughs> that ever could have happened to a kid when i think about it it's the funniest thing yeah Okay, I'm gonna try to I'm trying to get through these because I know that this 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 episode is is kind of going long. Let's see what time. Oh, geez, we're at an hour and 16 minutes. My goodness, my goodness. All right. I was gonna talk about something. Uh, it's got to be next time. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. I'll do the next episode. Who knows? Um. did you learn oh my gosh all right here we go so what did you learn about life <laughs> well why do I have it okay what I have learned about life recently it's perfect time for me to answer this I suppose being 50 is that Life isn't fair. And I guess it's not so much, <laughs> maybe the comedy kind of leaves a little bit, but that's the reality. I realize it's not fair. Now, people always say life's not fair. Um, you'll have some people saying that it is fair or it is fair because what you do or like what you sow, you will reap. You know, when you do bad to others, it will come back to you. Or if you do good to others, that will come back to you. But what I've learned is that what goes around doesn't necessarily come around, at least in this life. So I don't want to see it. I will say it according to my own life, because I don't want anybody. I don't want to. Um, again, this is like the. I was going to say the crux. This is like the good and the bad with having a platform or a podcast or a show or whatever is that you could say something and totally change somebody's mindset in the wrong way. And that's not what I want to do. But um, I've had two siblings pass away. 
both of them passed away under the age of 55 and some might say 50 is a pretty good age I guess um but um well one passed away with a heart attack that was my brother and one passed away from cancer and actually I had a cousin also first cousin who used to live with us who also passed away on the same day as my brother and she died of cancer as well and what I've learned is from these three deaths is that life definitely isn't fair and what you in a general sounds a sense what you reap you will sow I mean if you plant tomatoes and you and you water it God gives gives the increase and you get tomatoes if you plant in the right season right because you can't just say when you plant you you might not necessarily get anything your your seed could be withered away if you tried to plant it in the snow right it's not necessarily going to go all the way into the dirt <clears throat> you know there's certain times that you plant flower bulbs in the dirt and they will bring forth a flower in the spring or the summertime but if you don't plant them at the right time you know because i you know the reaping and the sowing or people you know karma and all these different things but when I look at it, okay, so my cousin and my brother were the same age when they passed. They passed away. They were born 11 days apart. They died five hours apart, one from a heart attack, one from cancer. Okay, so my brother, who endured a lot of rough things in his early life, that caused him to end up being rebellious and a wild man and very athletic and fit and health conscious and whatever it is. And then my cousin, who was the same age as him, lived pretty much a pure life. She might have been, like my sister, a little bit quiet, a homebody. She did what she was supposed to. Um... Both my sister and my cousin were both mm, very virtuous, I'll say, and good to their parents, good to their families, took care of nieces and nephews, no kids of their own, and one died at 44 and one died at 52. And. Let's just say they went to the grave exactly how they were born, if you understand what I mean. And both single, never married, never have a boyfriend. And if you look at their lives, you would probably say that what they sowed, they definitely didn't reap. Uh, maybe if you can, maybe you can dissect it a little bit, I and mean, you could probably pick it out. But if, just with the regular eye, you probably couldn't pick that out. And then with my brother, yeah, he left a more, he lived a more riotous, more fun-filled, tumultuous <laughs> um, issues all the time and problems and this, that, and the other. And maybe from that you can say he, you know, maybe that's what hurried his death to a heart attack, possibly. You know, <clears throat> but I just believe it's not always that way. Hmm. 
So I would learn, I would, what I would say I've learned is that, or what I would pass on is live your life and do good to people, but don't live your life for people's or under people's expectations of you. If you understand now, I believe you should be, you should still have people who you respect enough to be accountable to. And it's good to be as a Christian attached to a church where you're accountable to people and accountable for your behaviors. Everybody, even the minister needs to. And that's why some have like gone astray and done nonsense because they were never accountable. They were always like the buck stop with them. So then, you know, like anybody, power corrupts, right? So I would say definitely have somebody you are accountable to, but don't have people around you who try to control your life, like control your fun. If your fun is pure and honest, or when your character is just you doing you under God's green earth, under his divine order, and you're just deciding you want to go left rather than right, don't have somebody just saying you have to go right because they think going right is the best way to go. You understand what I'm saying? Hopefully. I'm not going to delve in too deeply because I'm trying to get through these. <laughs> and we're not on a couch here or anything like that. We're just talking. Okay. Did you find the happiness you were looking for? No. <laughs> In some respects, I did. But, you know, as I was speaking on way earlier, is that I think I was always pleasure-seeking. I was never happiness-seeking. Happiness was there. But unfortunately, I had my gaze short-sighted. So I was always looking for pleasure and not happiness. So when I when I... I was happy in certain, I'm just looking through my life, weirdly enough, or looking through um, particular um, relationships. I realized happiness was there, but I was seeking pleasure. And as I was talking about with the superstars, the um, celebrities, is that if you're there seeking seeking pleasure all the time the more pleasure you seek the less happy you will be you know and it's kind of funny you 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 look at that life in that movie pursuit of happiness and now it makes sense being the pursuit of happiness i would say to someone don't pursue pleasure because pleasure is short-sighted and it's short-lived and after you reach that pleasure whatever it is there's only one way from that and that's down and then you have yourself trying to find that pleasure again and when you get into that cycle it turns into addiction so that's all I'll say about that. Looking back, are you content with the choices you've made? 
to a certain extent, I could say I'm, I'm content with the choices I've made in most cases. But the only thing that I would say that I wish that I did, the uh, regret, you know, is that I sucked it up a little bit longer, I suppose, in far as, as far as bad situations are concerned. Yeah, so unfortunately I had to cut off there for a second because somebody doesn't understand when you tell them that you're recording. So I'm going to have to go and pull this thing back on. I don't even know how to do that. Hmm, interesting. That was kind of cool. All right, I'm going to put this back on just for the sake of it. What's that? All right, so let me get to the last question. Unfortunately, I was interrupted. <laughs> so now I'll try to finish it off. All right, let's see. Looking back, are you content with the choices you've made? Hmm. I'll just simply say that I'm not content with everything, obviously. But it is what it is. And being a Christian, I realized that God's in control. So it's like if you didn't meet this person or you didn't break up with that person, then do you have this child that you have now that you love and you care about, <laughs> you know? Or maybe if you stayed in school a little bit longer or fight, fought a little bit harder or picked a different college course, maybe you'd have been this rather than that. Maybe you'd have double the money that you have now i don't know or maybe you'd be even more broke <laughs> so i'll be just the one to say it is what it is but one thing i'm happy about is that god's in control so i'm not worried about it so looking back are you content with the choices i guess the answer is yes i'm con i'm content with my choices because i always know and i've always well i guess i will yeah my dad used to always say but um, yeah, things could be worse. No matter how bad things are, as long as you're opening your eyes every day, things could be worse. You know, and I've had a pretty bit, pretty bit, pretty bit, pretty bad, <laughs> a pretty bad year as far as loss. And I could go into that one day. I'm going to go into it. Maybe I'll do it before the end of the year just to wrap up the year. <laughs> Or maybe I won't do that right at the end. Maybe I'll do it in like November when like depression's like rife. And or <laughs> um, let's see. Do you have any advice on how to bounce bounce back after hard times? Well, let's see. <laughs> I guess I do kind of, but I mean I'm just kind of going through what's left of my so-called bad times, or what people would call bad times. And I would say, don't get down on yourself would be one thing. I would say, do your best to forgive people that are doing things that are affecting you negatively. But at the same time, do your best to steer clear of those people if it's possible you can love those people from afar 
from a distance, still. Take time for yourself and take time to do good things for, un <laughs> sorry, I'm spitting on my mic. Do good, <laughs> to do good to people who can't do for themselves. Those, those type of things, like the things that you hear about all the time, but they're really real. And I would honestly say, listen, because I've experienced it and I've talked about it many times before. Take care of people who you can take care of, who are in your life, around you, that you know you're not going to have around. Like, nobody's going to be here forever. And you don't know if you're going to go first or they're going to go first. But when you can do good for other people, when you can go out of your way for other people, trust me, when life hits the end of the road for them or you, there's a certain peace you have even in a, a bad situation, you know? And I, you know, spoke about it at length before about my sister passing is that last year, you know, like we were, she was given six months, but she lived a year and a half and I didn't have the finances just to not go to work. So... I had to take days off, but I had to take days off, not for myself, even my sick days, I had to take them off for her. And I did that. And then when it came time for me to get a sick day, cause you know, lo and behold, I actually caught COVID. <laughs> um, what is my goal? I don't really have a goal here, but, um, <laughs> When it came time for me to be sick, because I had COVID, luckily I was working from home. So I just had to continue working with COVID. I couldn't smell anything. I felt horrible. And I was just happy that I took the days off for my sister rather than taking them for myself. And now that she's gone, it's like that, that like those drives to the hospital, you know, Listening to melodies from heaven will always be our song now because every time we got into the car, she would always say, can you play melodies from heaven? And the hours, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now, the hours sitting at the hospital with my sister, <laughs> we were bored out of her, I don't know, we were bored, but it was like peace at the same time and we just sat there like we would get the hospital like say 10 30 and then they wouldn't actually give her treatments until about 1 30 and those appointments like I, I went in I went over when I think of my sick days I, I think they gave me 11 for the year so I got into like 12 13 that I took for her but like now those are like basically the most precious times of my life so I would just say honestly take time for the you know the most important people thanks bud take time for those people who are so important to your life because you just don't know or even for somebody who's not even that important to your life just somebody who is around 
just doing good to a neighbor or you know being that good Samaritan trust me there's nothing like it if I decided you know I can't take those sick days I, I have to you know legitimately wait for the days that I'm sick and not take those you imagine how I'd feel now that she's gone you know I I let somebody else experience I, I missed one appointment and I felt bad for it but luckily it was my godson who took her and she was happy because she loved that guy and you know it, it kind of worked out <laughs> but um honestly yeah that would be definitely my advice to anyone and let's see what experience cemented your faith what experience just <laughs> life just living life and knowing that <laughs> I could listen to your song sure I could probably listen to your song um just listening just <laughs> listening just living, just living life has cemented my faith in God. I realized that, no, we didn't come from a big bang. No, we didn't come from apes or lizards. And life experiences, the word of God, realizing that it, it is true. And when I can look into the word of God and, it, and actually apply it to my life, cements my faith in God. So just knowing that Jesus died for my sins, that he lives, he's coming back for his people, you know, and just living life and knowing that he gave me the faith to believe in him. He gave me grace and he gave me the faith to believe because the Bible says no one comes to him except the spirit draws you. So scriptures, the Bible will all seem like foolishness to anybody who's not predestined to be a Christian and that's a fact so is all that and I'm gonna I could go on and on but again I'm not a minister I'm not a preacher I'm just a believer and it is my responsibility to say what's up let's see what does it take to be happy <laughs> what does it take to be happy contentment Contentment, that's what it takes to be happy. You have to be content. And once you're content, you will find happiness. And happiness comes from God. The, the peace that passes surpasses all understanding. That's what you get from God. The Lord Jesus gives us that peace. He says, his peace, he lives with us. And we have that peace in us. So that when we are going through bad times... When we go through loss, break, break up relationships, when maybe you have kids and those kids move out, when you lose a job, when you have the happy times and when you have wonderful or just mundane, normal, everyday lifetimes, you have happiness in that through contentment in God, in Jesus. So that'd be about it. Anyhow, y'all, I'm going to break out of here because this episode has lasted an hour and 38 minutes. That's a long time for one guy just yammering on. Anyhow, peace to your people out there. And this is, you're probably right. And I'm MCM. Take care until next time.
come check out You Probably Write Podcast. Society is getting more unpredictable every day, but at the same time, predictable in its unpredictability. Say that four times real fast. Come with me as I attempt to find clarity in all the fog while staying way outside the box and kicking the box way down the road with my size 12 docks. <laughs> I use the Bible, experience, education, fortune, misfortune, life's lessons, life's mistakes to sort through all the mess. I talk about news, God, uh-oh, yeah, God, self-help, sports, sickness, health, music, parenting, love, humbleness, hurt, pain, joy, and all the things that might make you say, hmm, I never thought of it that way. Hopefully, anyway. Also, I take a stab at answering tough and not-so-tough questions, and all the while, understand that, listen, sometimes you end up in the hot seat and there's no thermostat. Well, that's how it is here. And because there's no topic, well, very few topics off the table, Trontonians will understand that Doug Ford reference there. (laughs) Hopefully, the podcast will be helpful and uplifting. And hey, maybe you'll find your own private Idaho here somewhere. Hope to see you soon.